TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... Tonight's broadcast of TalkLine with Zev Brenner is graciously sponsored by ShopEichlers.com. They have the best selection, best service of books, Judaica, anything you need, and one-day delivery to New York, New Jersey. And you may recall that Morty Getz and ShopEichlers.com were the first to stop selling Chaim Walder's book, a very heroic move. They wanted to make a stand, make it very clear, even if it meant losing some business. So if you want to support their work, Please shop Eichlers.com. That's shop Eichlers.com. As I said, same day delivery in New York, New Jersey. Great prices, great selection, great service. Shop Eichlers.com. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. It's always a treat to have Rabbi Penny Dunner with us. We're looking at the Chaim Walder story. Was it mishandled? And Rabbi Penny Dunner is the rabbi at the Beverly Hills Synagogue, but he's also, his family can trace their roots over a thousand years in Europe's most prominent Jewish communities. He's a descendant for some of Judaism's most illustrious rabbis, including Rashi and the Maharal. He studied rabbinical seminaries in the UK, US, Israel. He began his rabbinic career in Russia. He assisted rabbi at Mike Moscow's iconic Choral Synagogue. He later served as a rabbi in London, and he presided over the launch of the innovative Sachi Synagogue for young Jewish professionals in London's West End. And he's a prolific writer and speaker. He lectures around the world. And his latest book is called Hearts and Minds, an original look at each Parsha in the Torah. You can find it at com, by the way, and at Amazon. Rabbi Penny Dunner, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me on your program so, again. Well, since you come from Russia, I'm looking forward to your commentary tonight. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you very much. So Thank you. You've written about the Chaim Walder story for our audience that may not know. He is a writer. He's written 80 books, very popular children's books. And uh, they found out that he was a molester and assault women going back decades. He committed suicide. And at his funeral, he had over a thousand people. People, some of them referred to him as Zechotzal Gabracha, the memory of the righteous be a blessing. And it, it raised some questions as how we're dealing with this situation because we sometimes forget about the victims and the numerous victims, unfortunately, in this particular case, another case of sexual abuse. So, in your opinion, did we as a community handle the story correctly? I think we is a very broad um, word. Uh, there's no we here. I think that there's, even within the Haredi community, there's many different strands uh, and uh, many different geographic locations. And I think it's broader than that. I understand from Israel that Chaim Walder was a very popular um, author. His books were bought by the Dati Lumi community as much as they were bought by the Haredi community. Uh, and he was uh, considered to be a star in terms of his ability to connect with kids via his writing. Uh, I mean, I, I, truthfully, until this story broke, I'd only heard of him as a name on the front cover of books that my children owned uh, going back some 15, 20 years. Uh, so I didn't know who he was. I didn't realize that he was a significant uh, figure within that community beyond the fact that he was an author. Uh, but as it turns out, we have a, as a community broadly speaking, have come up with many different reactions. There are those who have refused to acknowledge his guilt. 
Um, there are those who acknowledge his guilt in private but refuse to acknowledge it in public. There are those who acknowledge his guilt but have no idea what to do about it. And there are those who are acknowledging his guilt and trying to deal with the aftermath of this dreadful story. So I think you've got a full range of reactions within the community. Uh, clearly, his friends and family find it very difficult, at least publicly, to admit that he did what he did. Um, and he's thrown an unbelievable span in the works by... Firstly, by committing suicide. Secondly, by leaving a suicide note that uh, didn't really acknowledge what he had done. Since his uh, death at his own hand, uh, he has um, caused the death of one of his victims who has committed suicide. And a firestorm, an absolute earthquake, a cataclysmic reaction from within that community, which is trying desperately to deal with the fact that a hero of their community has turned out to be uh, a, a serial abuser and as somebody who's who's just completely undermined everything he stood for by the actions that he was doing in private uh, and uh, it's just impossible for them to handle this situation in any kind of coherent fashion nevertheless and this i think is broadly what you want to address in this program how do we deal with this how are we meant to deal with this and that's what i want to help your listeners with and your those who are viewing this online I'd like to help you, not as a great expert, but as somebody who is a rabbi of a community and who's written um, you know, a lot about different aspects of community life to try and help us come to terms with this fact and to see what we can do going forward. Well, I think the bigger issue, which goes and transcends Chaim Walder, Rabbi Donner, is how do we deal with victims of sexual abuse in the community? Because for a long time, we didn't acknowledge them. And uh, when stories came about, you know, different prominent individuals, and this was true of the modern Orthodox camp or even the Sheba Haredi camp, we didn't really want it to be out there. We just wanted it to go away. And there's a lot of pain of survivors. I'm not sure if everybody understands, and you've probably dealt with them. I can tell you on this program, we've dealt with survivors. And it's, it's a problem because not only do they, 20% of them become abusers themselves, but a lot of them leave religion. I've come across people. There's, I run a minion in Manhattan. A man comes to me every year, a uh, chassid. I think he was a sachma chassid, but today he's no longer religious. He comes on the yard side. Um, but that made him not religious. I hear a lot of cases of people becoming non-religious. So it's, it's, we have to feel their pain and do something about it. That's, I think, the main lesson we have to learn from the Chaim Walder story. I think that it's important to use analogies. I think that if we knew that somebody was a, was a victim of a serious physical assault, let's say they, they'd been beaten up or stabbed or you know hit and their limbs were broken and they ended up in hospital, I think that we would do anything, first of all, to help them. And second of all, we would do anything to find the person who had perpetrated this violent act against them. We wouldn't think twice about it. I think as a community, again, broadly speaking, the Jewish community is a very kind community. We want to help people who are victims. And within our community, we don't try and uh, push things under the, carp under the carpet in that way. When it comes to sexual abuse, there seems to be a blind spot. And we're not unique in this. This is something that's existed across. You know, we always like to think of ourselves as being particularly special in the Jewish world, and from Jews, Orthodox Jews want to think of themselves as being particularly special, even amongst those who are particularly special. We're not. We're just the same as everybody else. Sexual abuse is a very painful subject. 
in addition to which um, somebody who comes, let's say somebody comes from a family of a sexual abuser, you're going to find it very difficult to make a shidduch and to, and to find their place in society. I can understand the concern to keep a thing like this quiet. And yet um, abuse victims uh, find it extremely painful that abusers, first of all, are protected by those in power, leadership, rabbinic leadership, non-rabbinic leadership, and second of all, that their pain isn't acknowledged and they're not validated. That that can perpetuate the pain. It's bad enough to have been victimized in the first place. It's bad enough that they were abused sexually, sometimes repeatedly over many years, uh, but then after that has stopped, you know, they're now, you know, they've managed to stop that sexual abuse from happening. They're not being acknowledged. They're not being validated. They're not made to feel that their victimhood has any meaning. Mm -hmm. And particularly because those who victimize them are still held up on a pedestal, whether it be a rabbi or uh, somebody in the community. They're not in any way treated as if they uh, um, are the perpetrators of this vicious crime against innocent victims, which is exactly what they are. It's no difference as if they've taken uh, you know, a baseball bat and hit someone over the head. It's exactly the same. So we need to see those sexual abusers. A Chaim Walder is somebody who's walking around with a baseball bat and hitting people over the head, people who cannot defend themselves and protect themselves. And then he's hiding behind a persona of legitimacy in order to protect himself. And he's being protected by friends, by leaders, and by others. That has to stop. So let me ask you this question. Why do we turn the blind eye? This is something which, in, in the case of Chaim Walder, you look at some of the literature that came out for some brown Rosh Hashivas, he's guilty of adultery and idolatry and they, all kinds of sins, and he's ruined lives. So why are we not sympathetic? And, and some of this has been around for a while. We just refuse to believe it. Why do we have a blind eye? If we told that this person ate him, we probably have, we probably would throw him out right away. But yet when it comes to this, we turn a blind eye. What's, what is so there, about there it? Is, Zev, I think that the, we have a bit of um, a lush and horror complex. That's what I'm going to call it. That we've been trained from a very young age not to speak ill of others, not to engage in tittle-tattle. And particularly in the type of lush and horror and the type of uh, um, talk that could result in ruining somebody's life. And there is this fear that when you hear that somebody's is a sexual abuser, but the story isn't true. And by publicizing it or by spreading that rumor, you will have destroyed that person's life forever. So uh, there is a hesitation, first of all, from the Lushen Horror perspective, and second of all, from the perspective of, uh, of ruining a person's life. I have to tell you that if you weigh it up, um, and particularly in the case of Chaim Walder, where we know now that more than 20 victims came forward, and one must assume that if there were 20 victims who were willing to come forward, and that's extremely painful for them, there must have been dozens more victims. If there were 20 victims, you can't get 20 victims or 22 victims, whatever the number is, to lie in concert with each other. There's no such thing. You can't get, you know, it's, it's hard enough to organize two people to say the same thing. It, to organize 20 plus people to say the same thing is impossible. And therefore, if this is something which... Uh, has so many um, evidentiary sources. There's so many people who are testifying that this person is an abuser. 
then there's no din loshon hara. In fact, we have um, we have a, 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 another expression in Hebrew. We have to remove this evil from our midst. That doesn't mean, by the way, that um, that the person has has to kill themselves or anything like that. But they have to be reported to the authorities. They have to be dealt with by the authorities. They should go to jail. They should be punished. And certainly, society needs to be protected from the evil that these people can perpetrate. And I think that the mistake that we make is based on our tzidkus, on the fact that we want to be righteous, that we want to do the right thing. We don't want to speak ill of others, and we don't want to ruin people's lives. But when you weigh that up against how much these abusers can ruin other people's lives, I think that we have to suspend our unwillingness to speak losh and horror and do the right thing and speak up and certainly victims must speak up. They must go to leadership. But and they're they afraid find, when they go to leadership, Rabbi Donna, that the leadership doesn't believe them. That's been part of the problem. Find leaders, find leaders who do believe you. You know, I, I get calls, and by the way, if there's anybody out there who's watching or listening to this program and you feel that you can connect with me or with Zev or with somebody else, don't you don't have to limit yourself to the rabbi of your community or to, you know, the, the parent who doesn't believe you. Reach out to others. I'm, I'm always ready to help someone if they are in need. It doesn't mean I'm an expert, by the way. I don't want to present myself as an expert because I'm not an expert. But I can put people in touch with sympathetic listeners and people who are going to be able to truly help them and assist them in the midst of their pain. And I, I want to say that I acknowledge every victim's pain. Any victim who's been the subject of abuse, sexual abuse, is in pain. And it's not pain that is limited to the time when they were abused. It's pain that endures for the rest of their lives. It's a fact. I've come across it, and I know it's true. And therefore, find someone to talk to, whoever that person is. Don't close yourself up. Don't keep it inside. Don't keep quiet. Please speak up, and let's make sure that those people who are abusers are prevented from ever abusing someone like they did to you ever again. That's something that we can do, and we need to do it together. You can't do it on your own, but you should know that you're not on your own. The fact that Zev has got this program running means that Zev is somebody who's a public figure who cares about your suffering. The fact that I'm coming on means that I care about your suffering. There's many people who I'm associated with and with whom I cooperated in writing the article that I recently wrote and in other aspects of this dreadful story who care about your suffering. Let's make sure that we put a lid on suffering because there's Chaim Walders who have not committed suicide, who are currently active in the community. There's Chaim Walders who may not be active now, but will be active in five years. Let's make sure that we can deal with it head on, that we don't let, let a thing like this fester as it did with Chaim Walder for 25 years to end in this horrible fashion. We're speaking with Rabbi Penny Dunner of Los Angeles. His shul is the Beverly Hills Synagogue. He's a international lecturer. His latest book is called Hearts and Mind, an original look at each part of the Torah. You can get that at eichlers.com and on Amazon. But we're looking at the Chaim Walder story, what we can learn from it, uh, what we should be doing and how we should be changing for the better to help those that are afflicted or in pain because of what happened to them, whether it's Heim Walder or another abuser. We're going to be right back. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
one of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is talk line with Zeb Brana. He is so smart and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zev. So Zev, Yashikach, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Our guest, Rabbi Penny Dunner, he's from Los Angeles. He's a rabbi of the Beverly Hills Synagogue. He's a prolific writer. You can read his works. Uh, he lectures around the world. And we're looking at the Chaim Walder story. Was it handled properly? What can we learn from that story? So, Rabbi Dunner, you were, you were talking about the fact that we have to do more and we have to be more credible. But you have principals in Brooklyn sending letters to their home saying, let's not talk about this issue. You have editorials in Hamadi and others that are really rallying around and saying, you know, that we shouldn't really be dealing with this issue. Shouldn't this be a learning moment? Isn't this the best time that we should really be telling our kids that to be on the lookout, the unwanted touch, especially from a close one? I saw statistics, and we'll probably do a program about it, that, a, that one out of every four Religious women are victims of sexual abuse. If that indeed is the case, it's a very high number. I think the number is higher. I'm, I dread to say it, but I think the number is higher. I would say this to you. I spoke about it today at Shalashudas at my shul. Um, one of the aspects of the Yitzhak Mitzrayim story, the Exodus from Egypt story in the Torah, is that we don't really talk as much about the Exodus and about the Jewish people, even about Moshe Rabbeinu, as we do about Paro. And the lessons that we learn from Para, which we never speak about at the Seder night when we recall the Exodus. But here in the parishes in the Torah, I'm talking about Shmois, Va'era, Boy, Veshalach, and Yisrael. We're really talking about the failure of leadership of Para, of the Pharaoh of Egypt, of one of the mightiest leaders in the history of, of humanity, completely failed his nation. And even in this week's parsha that we read this morning, we see that his advisors said to him, come on, you're going to see the destruction of Egypt by refusing to comply with the reality and to accept that the reality of the plagues is that the edifice is collapsing around us. And yet Paris still hardens his heart and refuses to let the Jewish people go. I think that one of the um, pitfalls of leadership is that an effort to preserve the past and the present. They refuse to acknowledge changes that are happening around them, that if they don't address, will see the collapse of everything that they hold dear and everything that they hold to be important. And I think that the Hamodia editorial by, um, by the editor is an example of that. I think that the um, mailings that go out and the refusal to allow anything um, or any uh, newspaper or journal to really to discuss. I mean, one of the weirdest things I saw was was the um, Yated in Israel uh, re reporting Chaim Walder's death, said that he died in tragic circumstances. Didn't even refer to the suicide. As if by pretending that it didn't happen, it didn't happen. Like King Canute, not wanting to accept, wanting to accept that the tide wouldn't listen to him. 
And that's what we're seeing in the leadership. And I think that the grassroots are aware of it. I think, I don't want to call them Paro's advisors, but there are those among the general population, even you know, in the, in the higher echelons of, of the general population who realize that it cannot go on. And yet we see, you know, there's conventions taking place, life goes on as normal, as if nothing's ever happened. And, you know, there's, there's rabbinic meetings and there's campaigns online raising money for this one or for that one. And the fire is burning and the city is burning. The house is burning down. And we need to do something to address it. We need to know that there's a huge problem. There's a real problem. It's not necessarily a systemic problem in terms of that the leadership wants sexual abuse to happen, which was the case with the Catholic Church, where they just didn't want to address it because it was so part of the system to allow it to happen. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think it's as insidious as that. But I do think that the leadership has a blind spot. They think that if they don't address it, or if they pretend it doesn't exist, or if they refuse to acknowledge it in public, that somehow the problem will go away or will deal with itself. There's no such thing. You can't stuff the toothpaste back in the tube. This is it. The Chaim Walder case has erupted onto the scene. We now know that there are people in the community who can operate in this way, who can abuse victims on an ongoing basis and that they are not being addressed. We must change the way we deal with this stuff. We can't have editorials like we had in the Hamodia. We can't have leadership telling us that there's no problem or that you can't talk about it or that your children aren't allowed to know. There's no such thing. I want my children to know that there's people out there, people they trust, people that they might think are their friends or family who might be doing things to them which aren't allowed. I want my children I want my grandchildren, I want my friends' children and grandchildren to feel comfortable to talk about that so that we can nip it in the bud and make sure that it doesn't happen or cause the type of trauma that is going to last for life for those victims. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi Donner. It seemed to me that prior to the suicide of Chaim Walder, prior to that, there was some progress made. You had publications that stopped uh, carrying his articles or they wouldn't sell his books. Uh, you had <clears throat> prominent institutions that came out. Once he committed suicide, I think the things went back where people say Lush and Hurry, he killed himself. They felt guilty. Was there a change once he committed suicide? I think that there's a certain immaturity and inexperience in the leadership of, of the community. That's That's my thinking here, and that they didn't recognize the extent of it. You know, unless you've come across sexual abuse and you've dealt with it and you've seen it in its rawest form, and I as a rabbi have come across it, um, both in terms of people who've come to me for help and in very personal terms, members of my family who have suffered from abuse. Uh, unless you've come across it, you don't really realize the extent of victimhood and how painful it is for victims not to be acknowledged and validated. So, for example, the fact that the chief rabbi of Israel went to the shiva, which he said was an innocent, um, caring move on his part because he was concerned for the feelings of the widow and the orphans. How do, how do you live in such a bubble? 
How is it possible not to understand that the fact that you're visiting a shiva validates the person who died, which means that victims are going to be offended. Victims are going to think that leadership don't care about our feelings and the suffering that we have to go through every single day. And every time even a picture of Chaim Walder appears in an article, it's painful for a victim. And I, I just think that we need to change the paradigm. And we need to be open to the fact that we've been doing things wrong. And not all of us. And some of us perhaps have been trying to do things right. And we get it right 90% of the time or 80% or 70%. But at least we're making an effort. I think there's people who don't want to make the effort, who refuse to acknowledge that they've been doing anything wrong, who think that just because they've got good intentions, that therefore that's enough. It's not enough. We need to be listening to the victims. We need to be listening to experts. What is it that we need to do to make sure that this problem is addressed fully in a robust way so that we can make sure that we minimize it? We'll never, we'll never stop sexual predators from doing what they do. It's impossible. But at, least, at the very least, we can minimize the damage that such people can do and we can address it when they have done the damage that they've done. Let's take from phone call. Let's go to Saul in Flappish. Go ahead, Saul in Flappish. Yeah, hi. Good work, Zev. Good work. Yeah, a really good program. I'm, I'm happy that you have the, your guest on who's speaking the truth courageously. This is a really sad state of affairs. I mean, you know, we have lots of care of organizations doing wonderful work, but the amount of damage that something like uh, you have a Rosh Hashiva from Ponovich, the Citadel of Torah, you know, seem to be more worried about the Lush and Hora aspect of this. I mean, it says, Torah Hashem Machim Pesi. He obviously steeped his whole life in Torah, and this is the pearls of wisdom that come out, came out of his mouth. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. He, I'm, I'm reading his written statement. He's, he's worried. He says that victims should try to deal with it in confidentiality. Well, guess what? I want to remind your listeners that until a day before New York or New York, um, I forgot which magazine, had an expose on Yehuda Coco, until the day before that expose, that's what it took for Lipa Margolis from Torah Tamima to fire this man. So when we fix that problem, then we could talk about how we're going to do this confidentiality. And, or, and the Ated Nemon, in, in, in Israel version anyway, puts Zichron and Levracha on that, on, on, on this person who passed away, uh, who killed himself. I mean, you know how much damage this does to a person that wants to consider becoming from, or even the people that are getting turned off from this? It's outrageous what goes on here. So you, I mean, you raise an interesting point I want Rabbi Donna to address. That the fact yeah. is that some people may be turned off to religion when they see this kind of stuff happening. I'd like to get your reaction to that. Well, first of all, Saul, it's, you're absolutely right. The insensitivity of such a statement is so dramatic it's so strong it's it's like it hits you on both cheeks it's not possible to understand how a man who's the wisdom of torah learning could say something which seems so unwise and, and i want to respect him and i want to hold him in high esteem and yet he's saying something which which is causing me to gag causing me to feel so upset so how do we reconcile those two things as you said you're meant to be a chacham if you study Torah. How can it be that you say something which doesn't display that chachma? And I think it's, it's, the fact is that with all the Torah training in the world, unless you have expertise in that field, you're just not going to know how to deal with that situation. I'm going to give you an example. 
and then I'm going to address the the religious aspect of, of your question. You know, I always tell my accountant that I'm much more intelligent than him. I'm much cleverer than him. But when it comes to tax returns, I rely on him 100%. Do you know why? Because I never went to accountancy school. And therefore, I'm not a CPA, and I can't do my own tax returns. When it comes to expertise as to how, how to file tax returns, I use my accountant. The same thing with a doctor. Could be that I'm much more intelligent than my doctor. I may have a better memory. I can certainly create a pill pull much better than my doctor. But when it comes to diagnosing a medical issue, my doctor knows much more than me. When it comes to victims of sexual abuse, there are experts in the field. They need to be consulted. They are the ones that know. They're the ones who deal with it every day. In New York, you have an organization called Amudim that deals with all kinds of uh, difficult situations for those who are on the fringes and margins of the, of the from world. Go to the experts. Go to Rabbi Tzvi Gluck. Go to the experts who work for Amudim. Discover what it is that needs to be done in a situation where there is sexual abuse. Don't rely on the fact that you've been through Shas six times and you now have to make a laning and a toastfus in, in the Dorim. That's not going to help you deal with victims of sexual abuse. And I think that that's the first issue. We have to acknowledge that Rabbi Gershon Edelstein, he may be a huge Poisik, he may be a fantastic Talmud Chochem and give the best Sheikh Kloli in Bnei Brak. I don't know, and I don't want to in any way diminish him or minimize him. But when it comes to victims of sexual abuse, I think he just may not have a clue and he needs to consult with those people who can be trusted to answer the questions that need to be asked and to do so in a way and to answer those questions in a way that can help deal with this situation now and moving forward. In terms of the from world and how people are going to react to the fact that rabbis don't know how to deal with this, I think that we have to trust, um, you know, broadly speaking, that people want to do the right thing even Reb Gershon Edelstein. And, you know, there are people who even in the last two weeks have acknowledged that they've made terrible mistakes in the past and that they want to change moving forward. I don't think that we should tar everybody with the same brush. I'm not in any way trying to condone or uh, under, undermine victims by saying what I'm about to say. I think the Frum world has a lot to offer. And Shmir Samitzvah is a tremendous way of conducting one's life. I think that there's things that we can improve. I can improve. And I'm sure that Zev, who's running this program, he hasn't said so. I'm sure there's many things that he could improve in his life. Absolutely. That's what we're all here. We're all here, and then we have to improve ourselves. Every, that's one of the topics of being a Jew. We're all human. We all make mistakes. It doesn't mean that tomorrow morning I shouldn't say Kriyashima because somebody who's a great rabbi in B'nai Barak issued a silly statement. That's not the way it works. I think that we need to find better ways of dealing with this, and we need to encourage our leadership to make sure that they address this properly so that going forward there'll be less victims and that we address the problems of those, those, those victims in a proper way. Thank you for your phone call, Saul. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to hear from you. Call yeah. back. By the way, before yeah, we get yeah. to our next phone call, Rabbi Diner, I think there's a saying of the Vilna Gaon, somebody was eating ham or pork, and bread, so the Vilna Gaon says, yes, still make, still make a brach on the bread. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it may not may not be on the pork. By the way, there's even a shita that says you have to make a brach on any food, even tray food. We don't we don't pask in that way. 
but you're absolutely right. Let's go to Lower East Side of Manhattan. I think Shlomo from LES, Lower East Side, your question or comment to Rabbi Penny Dunner. Go ahead. Rabbi Dunner is correct about Rabbi Gershon Edelstein, but he, he's, in, he's a godel within the yeshiva. He's not out in the world, and he, di- he didn't know. And the only way to, to, for him to do uh, a change is if one would call up the Ponovich and say, we're not going to give money to 12-675-9260 or, or 972-3618-3111. He will turn around when 100 people call and say, we will not give, until he opens himself up and listens to the rabbis. The one who killed himself had an opportunity to come to Besdin, and he didn't go to Besdin, and he, and he made himself into a martyr. And Rabbi Edelstein has to open himself up to the truth and say the following, I've made a mistake. Rav Moshe Feinstein admitted a mistake. He had lined up all his books on Rishonim, and his son-in-law, Rav Shisko, my Rebbe, at the beginning of this year, said something. He closed up all his books because of the truth. He could not go forward. When the truth is facing you, you have to admit it. And Rav Edelstein is a god who will admit that he made a mistake if he's known about it. And the pressure can be from finance that will do it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. I'm going to let, I'm going to let, to let in the end of the time, let Rabbi Penny Dunner respond to you. Thank you, Rav Shlomo, and you're absolutely right, Rav Moshe Feinstein, um, if he was confronted by any error that he'd made, would acknowledge it. I'm sure that Rav Gershon Edelstein would do the same thing. Perhaps he's surrounded by people who don't allow him to see the truth. That could be possible. The chotzer of a godel is not always a positive thing. I think that we need to think for ourselves. We can't always rely on what's referred to in the film world as Das Torah, because as I said earlier, even Das Torah, when it comes to doing their tax returns, need to go to an accountant. I think we need to rely on experts, psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, people who deal with sex abuse on a day-to-day basis. Those are the people we need to be consulting. We shouldn't be looking to Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein writing uh, an editorial in the Hamodia. We shouldn't be asking Rabbi Gershon Edelstein to get involved in such sordid matters. We need to be asking the experts, how do we deal with this? And if a Chaim Walder appears in our community, we need to go to the police. And if a Chaim Walder appears in our community, we need to be telling our children. But Rabbi Dunham, part of the problem is, is that... That there is some in the, in the more from world where if the, they're told if you see a case of sexual abuse, you shouldn't go to the police, go to the rub. You know, the fact is, Rab Gershon Edelstein is 99 years old or 98 years old. Why would I want to bother him with such matters? Uh, I, you know, when it comes to uh, um, uh, perhaps some uh, grave and important political matter to do with the Haredi community in Eretz Yisrael and how it relates to the Israeli government or to uh, some government, government edict, perhaps we should go and consult with him as, a, as Das Torah. I'm not going to get involved in that. But when it comes to a sexual predator in the Frum community who is harming kids, who is having relationships with married women, I'm sorry to be so blunt and to, and to present it in such a stark way, who is doing things which are awesome in our Torah, Legamra, we need to address it by going to the authorities and by going public. That's the way it needs to be done. Not by consulting with a rabbi who's going to be concerned with how it's going to affect his yeshiva and fundraising and um, you know, the other children might not come to this place or that uh, some of his families might not like him. Or I don't know, they have every cheshben under the sun. There's no cheshben. When you see some, when uh, you know, the halacha says, habar lahorgecha, hashkeim lahorgoi. It's as simple as that. Some, you don't have to go to court. 
if somebody comes to kill you with a knife, you take out a knife and you kill them or take out a gun and shoot them. That's what you have to do. That's the halacha. Chaim Walder was a habola horgacha. He was coming to kill people. Hashkem lahorgai. Don't run to Gershon Edelstein. Don't go to Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein. What you need to do is go to the police, make sure he's arrested, make sure he doesn't present a clear and present danger to any other victim. That's what needs to be done. You know, we've been criticizing or at least seen a little critical of some of those leadership that that refuse to acknowledge uh, the dangers and the problem, but we should acknowledge Rabbi Moshe Meiselman, the esteemed Rosh Yeshiva of Taurus Moshe in Jerusalem, who basically said that he's a Russia Marusha, which means an evil person, absolute without question, and he said that he took his own life, makes him a murderer. He killed himself. And he said, if you really want to be vindicated, you don't kill yourself. You really uh, go out there and try to ascertain your innocence. The fact that he committed suicide uh, showed he was guilty. And he said that that this has been going on for a while. They've been known for years about this situation. And he says, I'm going to say something something particularly strange, you may think. But, you know, all these people got up at his levi and say how much, how terrible it was that he died. What a great person he was. You know, the day before a recording was released in which he expressly said, I mean, explicitly, I'm going to shoot myself if whoever the woman he was speaking to didn't comply with what he wanted her to do. Was there any suicide watch in B'nai Brak? Did anyone go to his house to protect him? Did anyone make sure that he didn't have a gun? I mean, what type of community is this that allows a person who they consider to be a hero to kill himself? How, how is that even possible? And he is a murderer. He murdered his wife's husband and he murders his children's father. What type of person is this, a narcissist that even in his suicide note refused to acknowledge the pain and the suffering that he had perpetrated against victims? What type of person is that? And how is it that this community that seems to express all this love for him, you know, they could have made sure he had no gun and didn't kill himself. Clearly, they didn't care that much about him. But afterwards, when they said all those wonderful things about him, they didn't care about his victims either. What a dreadful uh, uh, scene. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to be associated with those people. We have a few moments left. Rabbi Penny Dunner is our guest. What is your position about having his books in one's home? Should one continue to read his books or should one uh, not have it in your home? I definitely think that those books need to be removed. They They were written by somebody who was obviously not of sound and right mind, from the Hashkofa that we consider to be important. Um, and he also, uh, you know, just by having the book on the shelf, if a victim would ever come into your home and see that book, they would be, uh, they would have tremendous pain. It would cause them enormous suffering. There's no reason to have those books. Let's find writers whose Hashkofa is correct and whose um, record book is unblemished. Let them write books. Let them um, give over whatever it is that we need our children to read uh, in, a, in a way that, that it can be read and should be palatable and welcomed by the next generation. We mustn't have the writings of a Russia or be Artohoromikir Becho. It's as simple as that. And uh, by the way, um, I believe the Rosh Hashiva that I quoted before, Rabbi Moshe Meiselman, said if Hitler wrote a book, including books about children, where they would help kids, would you read the books? So why would you read Chaim Walzuk? Pretty strong language that he used regarding the books. 
Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm always loath to use the Holocaust as an analogy, um, but I understand what he's saying. I probably will take some email questions. Here's an email question. Why was it a Mizrahi-type rabbi take on the Haredi community? Why was this case not given over to Bezin B'nai Brock or Mayor Sharm, who also great abundance spoke out against this Rahi? Okay. Um, I'm not sure well, who he's talking. The answer to that is yeah. I understand the question. Why is it that Haredi didn't take on this case? Because not one Haredi Bezin wanted to touch it. It was, as far as they were concerned, Mukta Machmas Mias. It was, it was something that was toxic. They didn't want to get involved with it. So it had to be a Datila Umi rabbi from Tzvas who addressed it. And in a, in a, you know, in a clumsy way, it wasn't dealt with in a, in a professional way and even had, had found him guilty. I don't know what the results would have been. It wouldn't have meant much because it wasn't a proper Din Torah. But the reason is because there is no system in the community in Eretz to deal with sexual abuse. That has to change. From now on, going forward, there needs to be a movement to change the way the Frum leadership deals with sexual abuse and with sexual abusers. Sex predators need to know that they will be targeted by the authorities within their community, that they will not have the freedom to operate that they have had until now. Things must change. Victims have to know that the leadership that is so important in the Frum world, because the truth is the Frum world doesn't really operate within the wider society. It's its own society. It's its own bubble. They need to know that that leadership is taking them seriously and is willing to address the pain and the suffering that they're going through or that is being perpetrated against them. And that's the way that needs that it needs to be addressed. And no more should Rav Shmuel Eliyahu and Tzfat deal with a problem that's not part of his own community. It needs to be Rav Karelitz's Bezden in Bnei Brak or the Badats in Yerushalayim. There needs to be a total change in the way these problems are addressed and dealt with. Here's another email question. that Chaim Walder was in charge of investigating sexual abuse in Bnei Brak. There you go. So That's how, what happened. So, how, so how could this be? Predators, predators always find ways of making sure that they're at the center of the action. That's what they do. They're brilliant at it. They're sociopaths. That's what they do. And you need to be suspicious of such people. And there were suspicions. Ten years ago, people were coming to complain about Chaim Walder. And he managed to shut them all up because he was a bully and he was a terrorist. And he was, he was doing everything that he could to silence those people who were trying to expose him. It cannot happen again in the future. We must do everything we can to make sure that sexual abuse is erased from our world. We're out of time. Rabbi Penny Dunner from Los Angeles. I may recommend your book. I enjoyed it on the Parsha Hearts and Mind, an original look at each Parsha in the Torah, available at eichlers.com and on Amazon. And he's the rabbi of the Beverly Hills Synagogue in Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to having you back to talk about some important issues. And I appreciate, and I think we appreciate the fact that you are speaking out on a topic which needs to be spoken about and addressed, and hopefully change will come about because we shouldn't be doing another story a year from now or six months with somebody else that's prominent that's discovered that is abused and was protected. We really have to make some changes for all of us, for, all our, for our children's sakes. Rebzev, I want to tell you that you're wonderful for having a program like this. You're doing wonderful work that you're willing in the Frum community to address topics that are not being addressed in other media outlets. 
I have the greatest and utmost respect for you, and thank you so much for having me on your program. Thank you. Look forward to having you back. Tonight's broadcast of Talk Line with Zev Brenner is graciously sponsored by ShopEichlers.com. They have the best selection, best service of books, Judaica, anything you need, and one-day delivery to New York, New Jersey. And you may recall that Morty Getz and ShopEichlers.com were the first to stop selling Chaim Walder's book, a very heroic move. They wanted to make a stand, make it very clear, even if it meant losing some business. So if you want to support their work, Please shop Eichlers.com. That's shop Eichlers.com. As I said, same day delivery in New York, New Jersey. Great prices, great selection, great service. Shop Eichlers.com. Are you interested in hosting your own radio show and podcast, or perhaps a TV program? Talkline Network can help you get on the air from one hour weekly to 24 hours a day. Ideal for ethnic, foreign language, medical, business, and religious broadcasting. We also have full-time radio stations for lease, as well as FMHD channels. For more information, please call 212-769-1925. That's 212-769-1925. Or email zevrenner at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the TalkLineNetwork.com. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.